you guys. Welcome back to the Powerful Podcast. I'm Kylie, and today we have Selma with us. So welcome Hi. Hi. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Selma and I actually know each other through social media. We've been following each other for quite a while. Yeah. I love seeing all of your content. So I knew that when I was developing my podcast that I really wanted to have you come on. So why don't you share with everybody a little bit about your passion of like what you're doing on social media and how you're developing recipes for people all over the world to see. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I live in Finland, but I I post uh, recipes in English, so I have followers all over the world. I post gluten-free and mostly healthy recipes on social media that are also suitable for IBS sufferers. At the moment, I'm posting mostly video content on Instagram, TikTok, and also YouTube. That's awesome. So if people wanted to go find you on social media, what handles would those be? All my uh, social media is FitFoodieSelma. Awesome. I love that. It's been so fun to follow you and watch you grow. Like I said, we've been following each other for so long that I think just relatively recently within the past couple of months, you had mentioned your story of why you started doing low FODMAP recipes and gluten-free, dairy-free recipes. And that's because you've also been diagnosed with IBS. Is that right? Yeah. I was diagnosed with IBS when I was 15 years old. So it was over eight years ago um and yeah I had terrible symptoms before I got my diagnosis I was bloated every single day had terrible stomach ache and then first the doctor tested did I have lactose intolerance celiac disease those tests were negative and then also they tested did I have a bacterial infection but no I didn't have that either so then the doctor was pretty sure that I might have IBS and then he still wanted to take an upper and lower endoscopy of my stomach just in case I had something else that wasn't found in the blood tests. And my doctor said that the diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome can't usually be done on the grounds of endoscopic findings. But in my case, it was because based on what the doctor saw in my digestive system, he was very sure that I had IBS because he literally saw that my bowel was cramping unusually, which is what happens if you have IBS. So yeah, that's how I got my diagnosis of virtual bowel syndrome. Such a story because I, and it's funny you mentioned that you were able to see it on the EGD because what I was going to tell a lot of listeners today is that it's not very common to be able to diagnose it with a specific test. We often try out all the other tests and rule it out because it's a functional disorder. So there's not necessarily characteristics. So for some of the people who are just coming on here and not sure what the heck we're talking about. Let me dive into a little bit about what IBS is. So IBS is our shorthand term, but it's called irritable bowel syndrome. And that's a functional disorder, like I mentioned, that affects the GI tract but it might not necessarily show up within our screenings and scopings like Selma and I were talking about. Some of the signs and symptoms, like she had mentioned, can be bloating and pain, but it can also include gas, diarrhea, constipation, and bowel movement infrequency or frequency, which is not fun, right? None of those things are great to be dealing no. with. And of course, you're a higher risk if you're like us, a female, um, you can be at higher risk if there are muscle contraction errors within your stomach um, and GI tract, if it's too fast or too slow, um, if you have al- abnormalities with the nervous system 
them, if you've experienced a severe infection, early life stress, changes in the gut microbiome or bacterial overgrowth, and if you experience anxiety or depression. So it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all order because we have to work with each of our bodies and work with each of our symptoms. Every one of us can experience something a little different, but could also all have IBS. So in your case, Salma, what did you feel like worked well for you when you were diagnosed with IBS? Um, my doctor told me about the low FODMAP diet, and that has helped me a lot. And then also stress management has worked well for me. The low FODMAP diet is the diet for treating IBS. It's not for losing weight or getting fit, as some people think. It's for yeah. managing symptoms like, like bloating and abdominal pain. And I also work out regularly, which helps a lot. And I have also noticed that eating mindfully and at regular intervals helps a lot too. I love everything you just said. That's very <laughs> spot on. Yes, let's not add FOD, a FODMAP diet to the keto list or all the other encompassing diets that yeah. are set out there for us. There is a FODMAP protocol and it's often done with a dietitian like myself. So let's, let's do a little more explanation. FODMAP is a fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols, which probably means nothing to a lot of the people that are listening because it's a whole bunch of science. But those are a type of carbohydrate, so a sugar that the small intestine may absorb poorly if you're experiencing IBS. So when we mention a low FODMAP diet with a registered dietitian and a GI doctor on board, the diet is a short-term elimination of these foods to kind of clean out the system, allow for a reduction in inflammation, and then you reintroduce some of those foods to find out which ones are actually the culprits, maybe causing some of those symptoms, while many might not be causing the symptoms. So it's not done long term. And the good news is you get to do that with a registered dietitian to really dive in to determine what foods work, what foods don't so that you don't feel restricted for a long period of time. Exactly. Many people think that you're supposed to be on the elimination phase for the rest of your life, but that's not true. So that's why it would be very important to work with a professional that could help you understand what the diet is all about. Absolutely. So when you started the FODMAP diet, did you feel like, okay, I'm diving straight in to create my own recipes and find all these neat ways to make food fun while having IBS? Or was that something that just developed along the way? It developed on the way. At first, I felt very lost and I had no idea what I could eat. There were so many restrictions and I felt like whatever I ate, I got bloated and uh, had terrible stomach aches. So yeah, it took a while that I learned what kind of food worked for me and then and I, when I learned that, I wanted to share it with others who might be going through the same thing. That's great. So between the diagnosis around 15, how long do you feel like it took you to get the hang of things before you felt comfortable with knowing the types of foods and types of things that really helped reduce your symptoms? It took a few years and I'm still working on, for example, stress management because I am I stress a lot about everything. So that's something I'm still working on. But like food-wise, I now know 
what are my triggers. Like my worst triggers are garlic, onion, gluten, and lactose. And those are the ones I avoid. Um, but then there are other high FODMAP foods like peaches or avocado. So those foods I might eat, but in a little bit smaller amount. But I don't cut those all high FODMAP foods out of my diet just because they're high FODMAP because that's not the point of the diet. It's the point is to find your triggers. Exactly. Because it is, like you mentioned, it's a long list, guys, for you guys who are listening. There's quite a few foods, fruits, vegetables, grains, dairies, glutens that are lumped into that list. So it can feel really overwhelming, especially I had someone come to me recently. They're like, my doctor gave me this list. Am I supposed to avoid everything? And I'm like, no, we'll dive <laughs> in and we take it piece by piece because life is meant to be enjoyed. That's something I really believe fully and it's something I put forward into my practice when it comes to nutrition and movement. We can't make unrealistic changes because then it's going to build a lot of stress and then eventually it's all going to tumble back down because it's not sustainable long-term. So yes, finding the exact triggers for you and then working around those is really important. But I do really love the content that you post and you post so many varieties of foods, like it's breakfasts, lunch, dinners, uh, snacks, desserts. I can't go wrong. I don't think I have enough time in my day to try all of them, but I want to. They look <laughs> so good. So what inspired you to start developing your own recipes and start playing around with ingredients to find out what worked? I just, my why behind what I do is just I wanted to help people who are going through the same thing as me. So I wanted to share my recipes with the world. And I always ask my followers what they want to see. And then I develop recipes accordingly. And that's pretty much how it (laughs) has gone. During the past year, my Instagram has grown a lot. I have gotten, I think now it's been 200k in less than a year. So that's been crazy. So there's a lot of new people. So it's been a fun thing to create recipes for people all over the world. Yeah, I was going to say that I've seen that growth, especially since you started posting on TikTok too, which almost seems like that perfect balance of like, hey, here's the pretty picture of what's done at the end, but here's a quick snippet of how I do that. I think that's great. And then, so I I haven't seen the YouTube, so I have a question. Is that kind of short form like TikTok or do you go into a longer expansion on how everything's done? On YouTube, I post a little bit longer videos, so it's more like you can cook along while watching the video. So it's not like a 15 second video that I post on Reels or TikTok. So it's like a follow along. That's awesome. So then with the recipes, I know you mentioned you ask your followers to see what they like. What do you feel like some of the most popular responses have been lately? What are people wanting to see how to make? A lot of desserts and more meal prep recipes, especially for people who are on a budget, especially now when the prices have increased a lot all over the world. Okay. What has been some of the favorite recipes that you've developed over time? All the desserts. I love desserts. I love chocolate. So probably brownies. Then I also love ice creams, bowls, love all those desserts. Awesome. And just a reminder for everybody who's listening, these are all gluten-free, dairy-free recipes that she's creating because those are some of her personal triggers. So yeah. um, that's great. But then it also dives into a little bit more of the general FODMAP diets as well, depending on the items. So it's really fun to check all of those out because the page, I kid you not, everybody, you have to go to Fit Foodie Selma's page because the photos are just so aesthetically pleasing. You just get hungry looking at it. I swear. Thank you so much. 
much. You're so welcome. How do you balance life plus the passion project of sharing all of these recipes? Well, during the summer, now that I don't have uni, it's easier because I can just shoot recipe videos the whole day long and then edit in the evenings. Um, But when I have school, it's a little bit more difficult. And sometimes I do struggle with having so many messages and so much stuff to do. So it's a bit difficult to draw the line when I should just chill and not work. But since it's a fun job, you just want to do it all the time. That balance can be challenging, but I think it's really wonderful to have a passion like that because it takes I think it takes an experience and oftentimes it might even be a negative experience that we go through to really develop a passion for something because like you mentioned there's a why behind it there's a reason to share and help other people across the world find things that they can eat and enjoy yeah exactly I feel like this is my purpose in life to help people by developing recipes that's awesome so do you have any hard copy or ebook recipes that people can find and have access to as well? I have a smoothie ebook and also a Christmas recipe ebook. And I'm also currently working on a new recipe ebook with healthier alternatives to traditional treats. And all the recipes will be gluten free and IBS friendly. So if you are interested in that, you can stay tuned on my Instagram for more info. Ooh, I'm excited. Okay, I kind of want a little bit of an inside scoop. There will be 50 recipes. So there will be breakfast recipes, snacks, and desserts. And there will be a lot of healthy treats. You're hitting my heartstrings right now. I will <laughs> probably be the first one in that list to be seeking <laughs> that from you because I'm also a sucker for dessert. I keep chocolate rice cakes in my pantry like nobody's business because um, that's my quick and easy, but yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness, I'm so excited for that. We can find you at Fit Foodie Selma on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. Is there anything else that you want to share with the people who are listening today? Listen to your body and don't restrict yourself. It's like okay to have a real treat every now and then and everything in moderation is the key. 100%. I think like you mentioned earlier, like FODMAP is not like a dieting thing and honestly, the way like like the society and social medias have developed dieting is a really unhealthy way to manage weight in a weight gain or a weight loss scenario. So balance is so important. And knowing that there's not necessarily like good foods or bad foods, it's not like exactly. a light. It's not like green yeah. means go and red means no. We want to find a way to incorporate realistic and enjoyable foods every day for long-term success. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for popping on today. And just for everybody else who's listening, as always on Powerful Podcast, we share an integrative approach of health with nutrition and movement and lifestyle and mental health. So continue to listen on in further podcasts to hear more health-related content.